Hello, hello, and welcome to a pick and play show of big magnitude as Leo and your pal Gordo here to break down the NFL today with Leo's Titans at the top of the AFC. But we'll get to that in a moment. First, Leo, break it down. Mama praying that I leave the streets alone. Preacher praying that I leave the reef alone. I'm just getting money, leave the beef alone. But I'm out here thugging in my teeth alone. Throw up my set, they get upset. Okay. Here we are. We are seven weeks in. Three weeks ago, the Bills were the top team in the AFC. Or I should say the Chargers, then the Bills. And the Ravens. Now it's your Tennessee Titans. How do you feel? I think technically when it comes to tiebreakers, the Bengals are on top of the AFC right now. But That's the Titans right. are in that nice little tie there for first. So I'm going to take it. Man, the 5-2 and two Tennessee Titans. After week three, I couldn't have, imagined, I couldn't have imagined rather that we'd be sitting here at 5-2. and two. I think a couple weeks ago when we went over the stretch of uh, Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and I think Rams is what comes after this. Uh, me and you said, hey, if we could get one win in there, that would be amazing for the season. Uh, right now, 2-0 and in that stretch. So I I'm feeling amazing. Those Super Bowl hopes are starting to creep back into my heart a little bit. I had let them die early in the season. The hope is creeping back. I, I think that we're maybe in for an absolutely delicious, chaos-invoking AFC. There isn't a single solitary strong team seven weeks through. Uh, every team is good, has its glaring weaknesses, um, can be up or down. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, I'm right now, You've to me, the way I'm looking at this is there are six teams in the AFC that could make it to the Super Bowl. And I don't think I have a strong feeling about one of them than I do any of the others. Buffalo, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Tennessee, and I'm going to say the Los Angeles Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's really my list right now. Any of them as of right now, I think those are your best teams in the AFC, and any one of those teams could beat each other any given Sunday. Hold it's on, a, hold it's on. an insane world. Did you say the Raiders? Oh, yeah, 5-2, and two, Las do, Vegas Raiders. But do you think that the Ra Raiders could beat anyone? I yeah. don't think that they could beat anyone. I think they can. I think they've got one of the best pass rushes in the NFL, and they've got one of the pa best passing games in the NFL. And I, I, there's the two things you look for over everything else. I know it sounds crazy, but they're 5-2. and two. They've got some good wins. Uh, they're alone after seven weeks at the top of the AFC West. We got to give them credit for that. I give you that. We need to give them credit for being at the top of the AFC West after seven weeks because we said this is probably one of the better, if not the best division in football, right? It's got to be top three division in football. But when I think about the Raiders, I just I don't consider them to be in the same tier as the other teams that you just said. I, I don't realistically see them making noise in the playoffs. I think it'll look good in the regular season, but... I don't know. I don't see Derek Carr lighting it up in the playoffs en route to a Super Bowl. I, I can't see it going that far. I, I, I don't. I, I would like to disagree with you. I just see it when I look at these teams. I go right now. I've got three. There, what is it? Four, five, and two teams. We've got a couple of four and uh, three teams, or four and two teams that I would consider really with Los Angeles Chargers and the Buffalo Bills, but. 
those are the teams that are probably going to make the playoffs. We, we you know, Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland are going to fight it out this weekend. We'll get into a little bit of that later. But right now, I, I see these are the top teams. And you're right, the Oakland Raiders, uh, oh, Las Vegas Raiders, who have gone through a coaching controversy. Maybe that unlocks the team. And Gruden was withholding it back. Who knows? To me right now, it is a team that, that could fade out. And you're right, I don't fear Derek Carr, but Derek Carr has already beaten my Ravens. So um, as far as things on that scale, I, <laughs> Speaking I think of they your Ravens, have to be in there. I feel like we yeah. need to transition right to the Bengals shellacking of Baltimore. What happened, man? The Bengals had uh, Marlon Humphrey looking like he was a fourth, fifth string uh, corner out there. That shocked me. Yeah, it happens. Like, I, I, I hate to say that it does, but uh, this reminds me a lot of, I believe it was 2018, uh, when everyone was really hyped on Baker Mayfield. They came into Baltimore and beat us before a bye, like 34-13. to 13, And they just drubbed the shit out of us. Now, we didn't lose another game the rest of the year headed into the playoffs. But uh, that can happen. We've seen it happen. I'm not so worried about it. I really thought that the, watching that game... It was one of those games where every single thing went the Bengals' way. And it was like, man, uh, it was it was 17-13. to 13. The Bengals were getting the ball back after the Ravens scored a touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, and there were like eight minutes left in the third. And it completely unraveled. There was big play after big play after big play. The Ravens got desperate. The defense got tired. The offense got crappy. It just looked like the team was staring at the bye week. Uh, the only thing I take out of that game with any real seriousness is that we lost another offensive lineman. Uh, our right tackle, who was playing phenomenally well, has a high ankle sprain, which can be anywhere from like three to eight weeks. So my biggest takeaway from the game, and look, I did think we'd win that game. It's Joe Burrow, and there were times where we made Joe Burrow look bad. Uh, but losing Macari is the big thing I take away. You really were very close to getting Joe. There, earlier the game was really fucking annoying. There were a couple plays where the sack or the player would run after Joe Burrow and just miss him by like, oh, an inch over and over. There was a tip pass that went up in the air and still landed in the wide receiver's arms. Um, the Jamari Chase was just a freak. They really were not ready for him. That's what really got the Ravens. Jamar um, Chase looks amazing out there, man. Amazing. Hey, look, and, and after the draft, I know that I said that they made a mistake. They should have picked yep. Penny Sewell. Uh, they should have picked or protected Joe Burrow. And, yep. and I said all yep. these things. Week seven, I'm ready to admit I was wrong as hell, wrong as shit, because Jamar Chase looks like he looks like a great wide receiver, not a good. Not a pretty good. He looks like a great wide receiver out there. Yeah. And he kind of looks like he's helping unlock Joe Burrow a little bit. Joe Burrow seems a little more comfortable slanging that rock out there. And I think it's in part because he already has that built-in chemistry with Jamar Chase. He's got a year of chemistry now with T. Higgins. Uh, you know, it's looking like it unlocked him. And so I'm I'm always down to admit when I was wrong, Bengals look like they got it right with that pick. Because holy shit. They definitely did. He has the most wide receiving yards through seven games out of anybody's career. So that's it's really staggering to see numbers like that. Over 200 yards against the Ravens. He really took us by storm. You're right. There is a familiarity there with Burrow. Burrow did take some shots in this game and had a couple bad decisions. They didn't even matter. That's how bad this game was out of hand. 
Uh, it, it really just was an ass kicking for me. The Ravens go into a bye week here. There's something like five and ten in John Harbaugh's career going into bye weeks, and then ten and five coming out of them. So this is pretty standard procedure. The team seems to look forward to the bye, still at five and two, and it kind of lends credence to the whole. Anyone can beat anyone on any given Sunday right now. There are no dominant teams after years of having teams like Peyton Manning and uh, the Tampa Bay, not Tampa Bay, Jesus, the New England Patriots. Now we are in a full free fight for the entire AFC, and it's going to be a game of attrition. Who can get healthy and, and who can kind of ride this through? So uh, it's going to be fun. I'm in for it. I'm in for a long ride. Five and two, I'm not unhappy where I'm at going into the bye week. I got to give the Bengals a little bit more credit. This whole time I've been saying that I wasn't sure if I believed what they were selling, and I said that this game against Baltimore was going to be the game where I kind of decided if I thought that they were for real or not. After what they did to Baltimore, I got to say they're for real. They're, they're a contender for sure. Oh, yeah. And I didn't expect to say that before the season. I mean, is could we possibly have a little bit of Zach Taylor coach of the year buzz here in a couple weeks? Oh, 100% at 5-2. and two. If, if, they, if they are in the position of winning the North through 10 weeks, they 100%. 100% he should be the coach of the year. If they win the North, he unequivocally should win coach of the year. Period. Uh, you get through Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, who were all playoff teams last year, and you come out of the injury. The The biggest thing for me with this Bengals is the defense. The defense is coached well, plays well, tackles well, doesn't really do anything spectacular, uh, does everything really well. They remind me of like the Colts defense from last year where it was just like a sticky defense. You just didn't get cheap plays on them. They made you work. They made you work. And, and if the offense can get free looks – they're going to beat you down. This was a this this. If you can't tackle well, the Bengals are not the team to play. If you can't tackle well, the, the Bengals you just can't compete with them. Yeah. The Ravens had twelve missed tackles. It's just that's just unacceptable. That's pure effort. It wasn't there Sunday. I'm blown. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm blown by by the Bengals this year. I have no idea how this came from. It almost feel like it came out of nowhere because they were nowhere near this team last year. They didn't even show. I didn't think that they really showed signs of even being this team last year. They haven't been this this team since, you know, early A.J. Dalton, Andy Green. Which, this could be another Joe Burrow, um, Jamar Chase. Could be the next iteration. Well, both yeah. of our teams are sitting here at 5-2 and two at the seven-week mark, so I think we're both feeling pretty good. I know I'm feeling great. Uh, A.J.'s back. Uh, Julio looks like he's yep. getting back into form. Derrick Henry is looking amazing. Uh, I'm oh, feeling yeah. great. The defense has shown up back-to-back -back weeks now. I, I'm not sure. If, I, I won't believe that long-term until I see it long-term, but it's nice to see. So we're both sitting in pretty good position here. Pretty good position. Now, there are a lot of teams around the NFL that are not sitting in good position that wishes they were. Uh, and let's take a walk through this. So I'll preface this by saying every year when you go into the NFL, there's a group of teams that sit on the fringe of are we going to be a playoff team or are we going to be an abject disaster an abject disaster for a lot of these teams is going something like seven and nine where or now it'll be seven and ten where they're unable to really get a high draft pick to make a big change but at the same time they're just not going to really be able to compete with the big dogs and and through a couple games this year there were some teams that clearly set themselves out to be in the playoff mode and I think have fallen way short. Uh, we'll run through them right now. They are Carolina, Washington, Miami, 
to me, these are three teams that all set out this year with going, we're going to be a good team. There are teams like the Eagles, the Texans, the Bears, the Lions that knew they were going to go through trans- some transition that were hoping to win a little bit, but they they had, you know, they're either setting their eyes to a new quarterback in the sense of the Eagles and Texans, or they're going to try to make it work with the current situation they have plus the new quarterback and the Bears, but they all kind of knew that playoffs were going to be a long shot. Carolina, Washington, and Miami all two of them were playoff teams last year and Carolina had looked to make a leap. Let's start with Carolina here, Leo, and do a little deep dive on where this has all gone wrong. They start by trading for Sam Darnold, which we both laughed at. <laughs> uh, I think on Twitter you may have tagged me in it and we laughed about it. That sounds about right. It's just nuts. So Carolina now starts the year 3-0, and is now 3-4. and The defense is falling apart. CMC is always hurt. Is there a chance for them to turn around, or is this really a disaster of a scenario, trading Darnold for a second and more picks and may not even be the third-best team in a division that's housing Jameis Winston in New Orleans? You know, I, I don't mind so much taking a gamble on Sam Darnold just because after – you know, he dealt with Adam Gase. I think that there was still a little bit of tread on the tire to, to check out. Uh, you know, uh, starting with three years, I think the first three seasons of his career, either two or three were, were with Adam Gase. So you kind of wash those yep. out. And so I'm not mad at them trying to see what was there, you know, see if there were any bones there. Uh, but I definitely think that that 3-0 start was fool's gold. Uh, this is about where I expect them to be. I mean, I expect them to be about a 500 team. In that division, I definitely didn't expect them to compete for a division title, uh, not with the Bucks there, not with the Saints there. And, and honestly, I think that the Falcons are probably better than them too. So uh, they definitely look like they'd still need an answer at quarterback. But seven weeks into the season, I can at least understand why they went and, and got Sam Darnold just to see. Although I will say this. The reports are saying that they're not going to be in the running for Deshaun Watson. And, I mean, as long as Deshaun Watson is going to be playing football, they should absolutely be in the running for Deshaun Watson. I don't really see what the logic is there. If you're not in the running for Deshaun Watson, but you are in the running for Sam Darnold, then I don't think you have any fucking clue what you're doing for football. Yeah, I I would agree with that. So, I think the... the Carolina Panthers have found themselves in a position where their head coach is now getting a little over his head. That can happen, college football coach. The owner is starting to meddle in things. He wants things to move a little faster, not happy with the progress they've made. Wouldn't be surprised if wholesale changes are made at the end of the year. Really think they might go with one more year of continuity. But to me, the Darnold pick now smells of pure desperation. Sam Darnold is not worth that, wasn't worth that. You made it move. Now you have to go find your quarterback. You're in a bad spot here. You've got to find a quarterback now. You don't have a couple picks coming up in this year's draft. The offense, I don't really know if it's one or two pieces away. CMC, by the time you find a quarterback, CMC may no longer be able to play like Todd Gurley. So I I really think this was a complete overstep by the Panthers. I don't really see any sign of strong organizational uh, progress or success. I'm worried that they tried to get cute with the Darnold thing and it's backfired. They don't really have the weapons on offense. People talked about Chubba Hubbard. 
let us relax. Every time one of these all-star running backs goes out, we like to believe that the guy behind him is just as good. That is not the case. While there are a lot of good running backs as seen by look around the NFL, that doesn't mean that there's an unlimited supply of them. And you have situations like Cleveland where they bring in a guy off the street who does really well at a Thursday night football game of over 100 yards. But then you have situations like the Ravens where there's no one in the backfield except for people like Latavius Murray and old Le'Veon Bell. And and now you're looking at Chubba Hubbard. Here he comes behind CMC, and the offense since CMC's gone out has completely grinded to a halt. So... I think the the Panthers have found themselves a little bit up shit's creek. The Panthers got to be feeling pretty shitty about the fact that they couldn't get a touchdown against the Giants. The Giants are a bottom team in the NFC. They're a bottom defense in the NFC by the numbers, and they couldn't even muster up one touchdown. If that doesn't have you calling about Deshaun Watson, I don't know what will. Nothing. Uh, next team here is actually looking for Deshaun Watson. The Miami Dolphins come into this season off a ten and six. Yeesh. Almost playoff berth uh, predicted here on the Pick and Play podcast. Um, and we turned around, and this year, hesitant, backed off of them. Now, I didn't think they'd be this bad. Tua is in complete disarray. They've drafted. They, they let Chase go. They move back. They get Waddle. Big fucking mistake. Uh, they, they don't really seem to have any answers at quarterback. They can't run the ball. And now the defense has completely fallen apart. The wheels are off the wagon, and they're rumoring to be looking for Deshaun Watson. The only hang-up is that the owner, the owner wants uh, reassurances that Deshaun Watson's legal disputes will be settled. That is impossible. That is the, it's like, yes, I will buy the house from you. Here are the conditions. The house needs to be fully cleaning itself. It needs to be able to clean itself completely at all times. It needs to be able to cook. It needs to be able to wash my car. It's got to be able to do its own grocery shopping. And you go, Matt, houses don't come with those things. And you go, well, then I'm not buying the house and that's on you. That's where this situation is. Oh, well, I'll take the Sean Watson, but his legal troubles need to be behind him. 22 sexual assault cases, you need that to wrap up in 10 business days? I just don't think that's going to be possible. What do you think about Miami here? I don't know, but I think the situation is more like buying a house and saying, hey, I need you to guarantee that my house will still be standing here in about a year or two. You know, I don't think it's unreasonable to want all this legal trouble behind you in order to make that deal. Honestly, I think that that's the reason why there has not been a deal, because if all his legal troubles were behind him, then you're just going to sell him to the highest bidder, right? No one's going to trade for that shit show. So when that report comes out, I kind of say, yeah, (laughs) duh, you know, who the fuck is going to buy the house when you say, hey, look, the foundation might be a little rotted. We're not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not buying the fucking house then. The concrete slab may still be intact. Your main support beams could be there. Yeah, could. What are you talking about? Yeah, they could could. be there. Yeah, no, I'm not buying on a could. So I I completely understand why Miami hasn't made that deal yet. Uh, I would assume that as Deshaun Watson's legal trouble clears itself up, we'll see a deal uh, as long as it clears itself up. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's not going to. Right. So and I don't think we're going to see a deal until it does. So however long it takes, I think that's how long that this thing's going to drag out, because who would trade for that? Not knowing if he's going to be able to play. Here's the other thing. Miami Dolphins, their picks are not owned by the Miami Dolphins. 
they've got those picks out to other people. So if they were going to trade more picks, I don't know. This is just a bad team staying bad. It's not like Deshaun Watson last year in Houston carried them to the playoffs. Last year, Deshaun Watson had a statistically elite year as a quarterback, and they won four games. You're just going to get more of that in fucking Miami. Right. So when it I, comes to Miami, I, uh, yeah, the defense is just you know you say Tua's in disarray. I honestly think that Tua's looked okay since he came back from injury. Tua still makes like one or two mistakes a game that have you looking at your TV like what the fuck is going on here? Like what what yes. was that that I just saw? But I think for the most part, he looks okay. The defense has given up the second most points in the NFL behind the Washington football team. There's only one team that's given up more points than the Miami Dolphins, and it's only by three, and that's Washington. So the defense regressing into complete shit is, to me, the story with the Dolphins. I don't really understand what happened there. Did they... I'm not a huge Miami guy. Did they lose some kind of key pieces that I don't know? I know Van Noy left, maybe. Uh, I don't know what happened. Did they just get figured out? It just happens with defenses. Defensive regression is like one of the things you can count on more than anything else. Like, did you do like, what's the reason the Bengals are playing great on defense this year when the Bengals regress and are a normal defense next year? Or they regress in the second half. There's nothing you're going to be able to pinpoint to. Are there some problems in Miami? Sure, but they brought in another corner. They've got two great corners. I think this is a real big problem of not having confidence. I think there's there's two types of things. First, I think in sports, and I've brought up this point many times, that we discount what it means uh, to be emotionally invested. What makes a player emotionally invested? What makes uh, you get up every day? You ever have a bad day at work? Well, at a job where you can get your, your, your fucking shit pushed in, it's a lot harder of a job to get up for knowing that if you're not all the way there for it, it could be a long fucking day. A great example is that Ravens game. I haven't seen it in a long time, but the Ravens, since that Cleveland game, since that Cleveland game, I haven't seen the Ravens just give up. And they did. They just gave up. Fourth quarter rolled around. They were done. They were looking at the bye week. They said, I really don't give a fuck about trying to come back in this game. I don't have the energy for it. They looked up at the clock. They said, 15 minutes, and then I get a week off of work. That happens. I'm going to be as real as I can. It fucking happens. And and it's happening right now. I'm sitting doing this podcast in the middle of one of my work days because I'm off work tomorrow. And I decided I was just going to box my calendar in as if I was super fucking busy. And I'm not working now. I'm doing this podcast. If you have a bye week coming up, sometimes you look over for it. And in Miami's case, they look over at the offense and they go, they watch it in practice and they go, I, I got... I got no fucking hope that that team can win a game for us. That that unit can win a game. And I think that wears on you. There are some teams that take pride in that. Chicago. Okay, Chicago's defense has always taken pride in that they're the pride of the city. The Baltimore used to be that way until Lamar came. There are some to Pittsburgh Steelers. There are a lot of teams that pride themselves on the defensive side of the ball. But that's normally a culture bred for 40 fucking years. With Miami, if every week you're practicing and you go out there, and like you said, Tua makes you, Tua makes, and I don't think it's one to two, I think Tua makes five to seven plays a game where you go, I can't even believe what I just saw. <laughs> and and if you're the defense, how many times do you see that in practice? How, how many times does that have to happen in a game before you go out there? And remember, your job is to fight another man. 
damn puts people in the hospital every single week. Okay, that's what we're doing here. And your offense comes out and goes, I have no interest in keeping this in this game. <laughs> and that's against teams you know are bad, like Atlanta, Jacksonville. And it's like, well, where's where am I? I'm a, I'm a, where am I supposed to get that fire? You know, if you don't have it, it's not in your culture. Where are you getting it from? Flores hasn't been there for 10 years. So I think the defense is more of like a bigger overarching problem, which is we don't look at emotion all the time as a driver for poor performance. Yet we see signs of it every single place we go. So I I think that's it. Yeah, Miami season's done. I think we we can put a bow on their season. They're not going to do anything that's going to make them a playoff contender. So you can pretty much scratch Miami off your weekly viewing list. I think I think this last team we're going to mention, all three of these teams are eliminated. All teams seven weeks past have now been eliminated. The last team on our list of teams that have just underachieved going into the season to where they turned out, the Washington football team. What what happened here? The worst like, defense in the NFL, somehow. The worst. <laughs> somehow the, the worst. worst defense. I don't want to hear about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Honestly, Heineke is pretty much playing the same football. Uh, I made a joke with my friends watching the game that Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was the starting quarterback of the Washington team, which gave us some excitement that they would have some high-throwing offense, which could keep them in games if they had a tight defense, uh, was instantly shattered when uh, his hip was shattered. But they bring in Heineke, and much like a phoenix rising from the ashes, I think we have our new Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think Taylor Heineke is the new Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're in Ryan for Fitzpatrick 10 years died. of Heineke. The Heineke's the new high energy locker room loves him. This guy can make plays electric factory person that every once in a while on a Thursday night football, we're like, hot damn, we got ourselves a game. That's Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick, like a Phoenix at his old age died and was reborn in the flames as Taylor Heineke. God damn. I like it. That's he's the new guy, but let's talk about the real problem. That fucking defense is young and bad. How are they so bad? Very bad. How are they this bad? I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. Dude, no one knows. There's a whole section of Twitter that's going, aha, see, all of you Washington fans were, you know, everyone was touting that Washington would have a good defense. Well, 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 not me. Look at me now holding this team up. Look, if you thought before the season that the Washington football team wasn't going to be a good defense, I'd like to understand what you were talking about. Was it all of the young talent at every single level that really was high draft picks that had film of them playing well and if they just made literally natural progressions would be a fearsome team? Is it the the uh, Jack Del Rio, 40 years defensive coordinator? Now, on offense, you want a young, hot rod to ride around. But on your defensive side of the ball, normally the old heads still do very, very well. So I'm not really sure what it is, man. It's not like their special teams is killing them. It's not like turnovers are killing them. They're second place in the East, tied with everyone else at 2-5. and five. Dallas has officially walked off with that. They have a minus 64-point uh, differential. I watch their game every single week. I can't tell you why the defense is so bad. And any additional insight here? What have you seen from them? I mean, over the course of the season, I, I couldn't really tell you what's going on with their defense, but I did watch a lot of their game against the Packers last week, 
And honestly, I didn't think that the defense looked that bad against Aaron Rodgers. Heineke was kind of the problem, in my opinion, when it comes to just last week. I'm not going to blame him for the whole season, but last week I, I want to see, I want to say, excuse me, that I saw Heineke turn the ball over two times inside of the 10 yard line, uh, in, in the red zone, not in his own 10 yard line, but. That's got to be deflating for a team. I know he fumbled one time inside the five and and on another drive. He inexplicably takes a dive on the one-yard line when he could have easily gotten into the end zone, and then they don't score on that drive. Uh, So for the whole season, I don't fucking know what's going on in Washington, but last week it kind of felt like to me every time they got some momentum, Heineke killed them. And that goes right back to the two discussion with Miami. I, I think we found our common theme here. All three of these teams set out with uncertainty at quarterback. All three of these teams shot the middle of their ship out with uncertainty at quarterback. Every last one of them. You traded for Sam Darnold? Okay, we'll see what happens. Two is coming off back-to-back injuries. Doesn't look good when he's playing. Okay, we'll see what happens. Ryan Fitzpatrick, career journeyman, often gets hurt a lot. Okay, we'll see what happens. Well, the predictable happened. All three teams are going to suck because they have no quarterback. It's a funny thing. It's a really funny fucking thing how that just turns out. And here's here's the thing. Mac Jones went at number 15 for the New England Patriots. (laughs) All these teams could have had him. Mac Jones. Uh, I definitely wouldn't have predicted Mac Jones looking like the best out of all of them. But through seven weeks, you got to give it to Mac, I think, right? Let's let's transition now to out of three teams that have sunk their own ship and into where are we at with the young quarterbacks. And not all of them. Some of them haven't played. But... To Mac Jones's point, the New England Patriots, if I remember this correctly, and I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head because I can't. I wrote I wrote a bunch of note downs, and I can't figure out what I did with that notebook. It might be in my car. Haven't looked everywhere. The New England Patriots are three and four. They have a point differential of forty of thirty nine. The New England Patriots are plus forty nine points in basically each game they play the Jets. So they've played the Jets twice, and who was the other team they played? Was it? Uh, I feel like it was a winless team. Uh, let's see. They played the Texans. Miami. They lost. Yeah. Okay. So so before we crown, before we crown them, yes, they look good. I, I won't discount that. Right. You've played the Jets twice, and Houston. In between there are a bunch of losses. Are they losses against good teams? Sometimes. Uh, Miami is a Week one loss. New Orleans, they lost. They gave Dallas a good, a good fight. Team. They gave Dallas a very da- good fight. Dallas did that thing. Well, God, it, you know, for for the whole, I, I will take what, basically what Dallas did to lose that game is what New England did to lose that game against Miami, although Dallas was good enough to pull it out. They just fucked around in the red zone a bunch and turned the ball over and didn't get points out of it and couldn't pull it out. But they, they've beaten the Jets now by a, K, a combined score, okay, of 81 to 19. Holy shit. 81 to 19. So they're a so, minus differential when not playing the Jets. Horribly minus. If you took out the two Jets games, they're, they're under. And, and that's my whole thing with Mac Jones is do I think he's good? Like their run differential is 39. 
Take the 60 points out that they're plus against the Jets, and they're minus 21. That's with the win over Houston. And remember, that win over Houston was close. They were losing most of that game. So let's hold on on the Mac Jones talk. I know this was going to happen. They beat up on the Jets. Everyone's like, oh, man, they opened the offense up. Let's just take a deep breath. Bill Belichick hates the fucking Jets, had everything drawn up. You know their first touchdown was a trick play? Kendrick Bourne threw a touchdown on the first play. They drew up to beat up on the Jets. So I'll hold off on this, see where it goes. Zach Wilson sprained his PCL. I think Mac Jones is going to be a, a, a okay quarterback. I don't know. I really don't know yet. I think he is more likely going to turn out like Alex Smith than he is like uh, Maybe Tony never Romo. turns into the God superstar all pro, but serviceable. Right serviceable i think alex smith and that's kind of where i see the patriots for the next couple years 10 and 6 11 and 6 uh 10 and 7 11 and 6 kind of fiddling around there um they have fucking three wins this year two against the jets one against houston they're three and four i'm not crowning anybody off of just that no, I wouldn't crown him either. I just think that, uh, especially last week, you got to give uh, Mac credit because he doesn't control the schedule. You know, he can only do what he yep. can only play who's on the schedule, and he Correct. whooped the Jets' ass. It was beautiful to see. Yes, I'm sure Patriots yep. fans. I'm not one of them, but I'm sure Patriots fans stroked themselves a little bit on Sunday, like, "Oh, oh Mac, yeah. yes, finally." A little bit, a little bit. This is a wounded Patriots team right now. I think most. Patriot fans blew their load and then cuddled up around it on the floor. <laughs> I, I, like that, that, that's exactly what they did. Because I, I like <laughs> this is weeks after getting beat up. You know, you lose to Tom Brady, you lose to the Cowboys. Here come the Jets. You get your big win. Mac Jones looks great. This is your fucking you know crying into the into your food during dinner you know you got a big steak at the table and you're crying into it uh, yeah it looks great and everything but you know, you know it's funny it that you say relax. that because now that i'm thinking about it i had completely forgotten but after the after the patriots finished whooping up on the jets my cousin who lives in massachusetts and is a patriots fan calls me on the phone and he's mm -hmm. like you fucking see mac jones you see that yeah. you see it yeah, exactly <laughs> Well, yeah, what am I going to tell exactly. him? You know, I'm a Titans fan. I can't, I can't talk yeah. shit to a Patriots fan. So it's just like, all right, <laughs> yeah, man, you got true. it. Yeah. Here's the thing. They go to Los Angeles this week. Chargers coming off a bye after getting whipped up on the, by the Ravens. So let's see how the Chargers come out in that game. They go then to Carolina. They play Cleveland, which is not a difficult, you know, not who knows what Cleveland team shows up there. They go at Atlanta and then things get real. Okay. So, if they can get through the chart, now mind you, they're three and four right now, and this is going to be a, a little bit of, if the Patriots and Mac Jones are any good, they're going to be a positive team by the end of the year. I don't fucking think that's what's going to happen, and here's why. After they get the schedule of the Chargers, the Panthers, Cleveland, and Atlanta, there's some winnable games in there. Carolina's winnable. Atlanta's winnable. Um, Cleveland and the Chargers, those are going to be tough too. You can maybe go, let's say they go three and one through that stretch. Let's just say they do. They're at 500, then they're four and four. And here comes their stretch after that four. They're four and, uh, was it? Yeah, they'll be four and four. Uh, no. What is it? Yeah, yeah, four and four. Matt, you, no, no, no. God damn it, Matt. Six and six. They're going then into Tennessee, Buffalo, bye week, at Indy, Buffalo. 
Ooh. Your season's made right there. That's brutal. You have a four you have a four week stretch in there that after that you get Jacksonville and Miami, who you've already lost to Miami once. Uh Jacksonville could be a somewhat rounded into shape fourteen by them. Not saying they're gonna win, but you've got a four game stretch there. If you go one and three, you're a nine win team. Max. You go two and two, you're a ten win team. Three and one, eleven, four and oh, twelve. There's your schedule. Your whole schedule boils down to you going even and then up to those four games. But Tennessee's going to be tough as shit. Buffalo's going to be tough as shit. Indy's probably going to... Indy will not quit on this year. I guarantee you that. And then you get the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. I think it's just a tough, tough matchup, and I think the entire Patriots season's going to come down to there. Yeah, I mean, I could see the Patriots being like a maybe a wild card you know they're aiming for that last additional seventh uh, seed this year I, I could see them being frisky something like that but I mean if they're that you have to consider this year a W for them because uh, oh yeah. yeah I didn't expect them to be in the playoff hunt at all and I mean at three and four we can't get too excited or especially with that stretch that right. you said is coming up but if they can sneak their way into a 10 win season and maybe a wild card that is a win for Bill Belichick and the Pates the pats i don't know Dude. who the pets are <laughs> they could be the patriots uh they could just be the pets of the bills <laughs> so there's that a uh, couple other quarter rookie quarterbacks doing some things or not doing anything justin fields stuck up in chicago here's what i'll say about this does justin fields hold the ball too long and get himself sacks that he shouldn't take yes uh is that a problem with justin fields coming into the year yes is the team doing anything to support that no does the team give up too many sacks already yes is Allen robinson not being utilized at all in any way yes is the defense really good and can keep them in most games yes will this team make the playoffs no no I think Justin Fields, if you match everything I just set up there, Justin Fields is not set up for success. I don't really know too much to say. We said this could be a lost year for him and Zach Wilson, which Zach Wilson has a PCL injury, probably also out. We'll talk about the Jets in a second. But what do you think about Justin Fields right now? I'm kind of saying wash year. This team's going to be feisty in some games, but the offensive line ain't there. The, The game plan ain't there. Justin Fields ain't there. Yeah, I mean, you covered pretty much everything, so I'm not going to say anything long-winded here. I'd just say that every time I watch the Bears, I feel like I'm watching Justin Fields run for his life, whether it's his fault, whether that's the fault of the offensive line, or whether it's bad play calling. I'm not sure because I'm not watching them that closely. Uh, Watching Bears football right now is kind of depressing. I've tried because I do have some fantasy stocks invested in Justin Fields, so I I would like to see them pan out, but... It just looks ugly as hell over there, and I don't know what's going on with Allen Robinson. Him and Fields don't have any kind of connection. I think they've said as much that, you know, not having the the preseason and the offseason to work together kind of is hindering them now. And for that, I think you got to blame Bears management because why were we playing games with the Andy Dalton thing? You could have got this kid a whole offseason of number one reps knowing that you wanted him to be the starter and now he's the starter and didn't get those reps. So I, I put more blame on the front office than anyone else, but there's blame to go around for everyone involved here when it comes to Justin Fields. Nothing good in Chicago. Speaking of nothing good, Kyle Shanahan's not a good head coach. Ooh, when are, are we, we finally saying about? it? When are we talking? Are we talking about it right now? I, I mean, we might Make as well talk right about now. it right now. I mean, ever since the Super Bowl against win. the Patriots, uh, I haven't seen much. Had a good run. Had a good run. Now, uh, 
a lot of people say, oh, well, he's had injured quarterbacks. A lot of those quarterbacks that he's had injured, Jimmy G. Beathard is a quarterback he drafted. Um, he also traded for Jimmy G, so I don't know his talent evaluation. He has Trey Lance, who hasn't really won't see the field. And when Trey Lance is out there, you can tell. Trey Lance is two years away. <laughs> the guy didn't play much in college. Like, you had very little tape. You went off One of raw skill season, set. Now, I think. That's it. So... There's a lot to do here. Not a lot to linger on on Trey Lance. So let's let's focus the discussion on Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance's surrounding, uh, I would say, environment. What's Kyle Shanahan doing? Like, he's just a guy who may be better as a coordinator, right? Where are you at here? I haven't seen anything from Kyle Shanahan to suggest that he's the genius that everyone says he is. And I know that that take is getting a little more popular now that they're struggling again. But really, I mean, if you're if you have any Atlanta fans in your life, they probably don't feel great about Kyle Shanahan. If you have an Atlanta fan in your life, just ask them what their thoughts are on Kyle Shanahan. And I bet you they aren't positive thoughts. Uh, and so that that's kind of carried over. Everything that I've heard from my Atlanta fans going into San Francisco is bearing out to be true. I mean, it, it kind of looks a little overrated right now. But you kind of got to give him a little bit of pass because, I mean, his, his best quarterback option so far has been Jimmy G, which is, I mean, both of us have spoken in length about how we don't believe in Jimmy G. So I don't know if you can put all the blame on him, but I know that if you're a great coach, you can make something out of nothing. And all I've seen from San Francisco is a bunch of nothing. That's the reason that I predicted them before the season had finished last in this division. It wasn't a popular take at the time, but that's how I felt because they they have talent, but I haven't seen them use it really. Where the fuck is Brandon Ayuk? Well, here's the thing. There are coaches who are great at X's and O's and understand how things need to be schemed. There are coaches who do really well at elevating player talent. There are coaches who do really well at evaluating talent, more front office people. I think that Jimmy, not Jimmy G, I think that Kyle Shanahan is a great, great offensive mind, much like his father was. I think that he is a horrible judge of talent. Well, a lot of people want to say he does not get a pass for Jimmy G. No, he doesn't unequivocally you do not get a pass for the car you buy you bought it you put the down payment on it you signed off on it if you go buy a car and then you complain about the car you're the fucking dumbass no one else you're the fucking dumbass he wanted jimmy g he got jimmy g we are on year five of jimmy g year five it's been a long time 2017 is when they got jimmy g First year, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G. Here he is, 2017. What do they do? 6 and 10. 2018. This is the Mullins year because Grappolo was hurt. What did they do, though? 4 and 12. Here we go, 2019. Everything's perfect. Super Bowl, 13 and 3. 2021. Mullins, again, the quarterback. 6 and 10. So far this year, a mix of Garoppolo. And Trey Lance, two and four. Now, we can talk about all of this, but let's take a step back. Mike Tomlin has gone and won numerous games with no-nothing quarterbacks. 
know nothing. That's what I mean when They're I say p- an elite coach should be able to elevate and, and make something out of nothing. Because Mike Tomlin, he just wins every year. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. John Harbaugh, while struggling with Joe Flacco and that gigantic contact contract, still put winning seasons together. And as soon as Joe was out of there, immediately returned to the playoffs and hasn't looked back. Good coaches win games. He is a great offensive coach. They have never had a succinct defense. The team never looks like cohesive. And now they're staring down a barrel of another losing season. And you've traded all your picks for Trey Lance. We said at the time this was a foolish draft. It's looking more and more foolish every single day. Also, just to kind of go into the depths of even through all these years, four, six and ten, four and twelve, six and ten, two and four, he only has a single year, the Super Bowl year, where they don't give up more points than they score. Like they're they're not even really sticking around. They're getting beat soundly in a lot of these years. So they just got beat up on by Indy, who looks to be resurging a bit. You guys got to deal with them. We'll talk about them. But I think Trey Lance pick may go down as one of the worst ever for what they had to give up. And it may end up tanking Kyle Shanahan's career. And maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he needs to go be a coordinator again somewhere uh, and, and really just excel. Come to the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would love him to come coordinate for Lamar. Huh? Oh, yeah. We'd win like, I think that would easily win us at least a Super Bowl. Um, just, just with that creativity, two more quarterbacks before we get out of here for, before we transition to the, some of the week eight games. Cause there's some tasty little niblets there. I won't get too deep into them, but just want to gloss over them. Like looking at the donuts. And when you go to the grocery store and you, you smell that bakery and you walk past the deli and normally there's the bakery and you're like, God, all those donuts. And they seem to be making donuts and grocery stores bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm not sure who thought of that marketing, but it works from a looks perspective. Uh, I'm never buying them. But what do you mean you're never buying them? them? I'm buying them. Oh, really? I don't really buy them there. I gotta, I gotta watch what I eat sometimes. If I if I dive into that, I'm in deep shit. Hey, look. I mean, sometimes in life you gotta say fuck it. You know, I say it. I say it often. <laughs> it, when I walk past the bakery, that's the highest rate of fuck it that I ever have in my body. Because once I once I see those cinnamon <laughs> rolls, once I see those donuts, don't yeah. let a nice little slice of cake be sitting there. I'm going for it. I'm going, <laughs> going for, for it. it. They, I think they're going. They, they always look good too. They get the smells going. You're hungry already. That's all bullshit. But what doesn't smell good and doesn't make anyone hungry is the Jets. <laughs> uh, first, Zell. Um. <laughs> you come off a bye, <laughs> and you get just waxed. <laughs> waxed what's the buy worth then all that happens all that fucking happens and then zach wilson gets his leg torn up so he can't play anymore and you all decide that your best bet is to go trade for joe flacco y'all gave up a pick for joe flacco hold on before we even get to joe flacco can we talk about how the jets had a rookie quarterback and decided that the backup to the rookie quarterback should be mike white now had you ever heard of mike white before last sunday no, how old is he? Uh, not that old. I will say that the reason that I know who Mike White is is because he, for a very brief amount of time, was the starting quarterback for my USF Bulls. Oh. 
Okay. No, that's not a good thing. There should not be a starting uh, quarterback in the NFL that was a quarterback <laughs> of USF. I love my school, but no. If you, if your quarterback uh, went to USF, they're probably not a great quarterback. We have not had one of those in a while since Quentin Flowers, uh, and even he should not be an NFL quarterback. So as soon as – I didn't know shit. Mike White was their backup, but I saw him come in the game, and as soon as I saw him, I started laughing like, ain't no way they went with Mike White to back up uh, Zach Wilson. You would think that they would have a veteran behind him, right? Mike White threw his first NFL pass on Sunday. He uh, looks like he was in South Florida in 2014. Finished his college career at Western Kentucky in 2017. So for the last five years, he's been doing what? I mean, props to him. Props, shout out Mike White. Never letting a dream die. You started a game in the NFL. That is all that it's about, buddy. That is incredible shit. Good for you. Live your dreams. I mean, way to make them happen. But holy fuck, holy fuck, holy fuck. We talk about this with Zell, how the team went in and said, we're just going to do everything young. New new offense, new uh, head coach, new quarterback. You don't even back up Zach Wilson with a vet. You just got some guy who hasn't even played an NFL snap before. Like, what's he supposed to contribute to fucking your quarterback room? What in the fuck are you thinking, Jets? You guys are so fucking stupid. Do you know that Je- uh, uh, Salah came out today and said that they wanted to keep uh, they wanted to keep Joe Flacco? So let's picture this world: the New York Jets go to Joe Flacco and say, "We want to keep you," but Joe goes, "Hey, you know, I'm kind of done here. I'm going to move over to Philly." And so the Jets lose out on Flacco by Flacco basically saying, "I don't want to sign here." And the Jets go trade for him. They said, you will be back here one way or another. You will be back here. You will be back here. (laughs) What do you think Joe Flacco's reaction was to the trade? I'm getting traded? (laughs) Someone gave up a pick for me? Someone gave up a fifth round, could be a fifth round, sixth round pick for me? Who, who, Who did it? It better not be the Jets. It's the Jets. Son of a bitch. Didn't I tell them I didn't want to be there anymore? Sorry, Joe. You, you know, we're trading you for a pick. Can't believe someone offer us a pick for you. Yeah, no shit. The fucking Jets. I told them I didn't want to fucking be there. Here he is. And he's going to see reps on Sunday because Mike White ain't going to cut it for more than five fucking minutes. That's a game. Pounce all over. Oh, yeah, for Don't sure. Don't wait. They play the Bengals this week, right? Go get it now. Pick up the, the Bengals, Bengals are going to beat them like all a of drum. Your fantasy leagues. Bengals defense Go. needs to be your starter if possible this year. Bengals everything. Get a hold of anything. The spread's only ten and a half. Jump on that. Holy shit. The Jets, you all suck. You all suck, suck. You suck, 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 suck. You don't do anything right. You're never going to do anything right. Average rushing yards only year 70. Total, rush, total yards only year 272 per game. Zach Wilson, four touchdowns, nine interceptions. Mike White came in last week, one touchdown, two picks. It's going to get worse. If you've got Michael Carter, uh, he might be working out there. They might just end up running him a whole bunch over and over again, try to get the game over with. But horrible, horrible job there. And that only leaves one real quarterback left on our list. We've gone through all the other rookies. Um, We've taken a look. Trey Lance, uh, Zach Wilson. But the one we haven't talked about is the one team that may be gaining a little bit of steam or at least offensively putting it together. I think Trevor Lawrence has looked really, really good this year. I think Trevor Lawrence has done well with the Jaguars. I know, I, I think that 
we're through the Jaguars being the mockery of the NFL. Um, I think the Jaguars are going to put some, I don't know if they'll put wins together, but I think they're going to put some stingy appearances together. They're versus uh, Seattle this week, big road game coming off a bye. Um, is there any chance you could see the Jaguars win? I'm going to go on a limb. You think the Jaguars could win three to four more games from now until the end of the year? Three to four more games? No. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with no. Mm. You believe in them way more than I do. Uh, They finally got their first win in over a calendar year, and that was against the Miami Dolphins that we just finished shitting all over. So, uh, (laughs) no, I'm I'm not excited about anything that's happening in Jacksonville. But since this conversation is centered around the quarterbacks and the young quarterbacks, I will say that Trevor Lawrence looks looks pretty decent, in my opinion. He's definitely the best quarterback that the Jags have had in my whole life. (laughs) that's probably safe honestly right i mean lawrence only has seven touchdowns eight interceptions on the year he's also run for about 120 yards so uh and two touchdowns so he's contributing i I like i like trevor lawrence i liked him coming in I, i felt bad for the fact that he ended up in jacksonville but he looks decent and there's definitely bones there i guess that's what i would say when i look at trevor lawrence i don't I don't smile and go, ha-ha, the Titans get to face him for the next five years. You know, it's more of a, ah, I, I, don't, I don't feel great about it, but right now I'm not concerned. In a year, in two years, there might be a reason to, to be concerned. But for this year, not too concerned. He looks decent, though. It's like a rock in your shoe. It's annoying, and you're kind of ignoring it for now. If it becomes where it's uncomfortable to take steps, now you're in a problem. It's going to lead to a limp, and you don't want to deal with that. We'll keep an eye on the little pebble, though, see what he turns into. Uh, Here we go. Week 8. Almost the halfway point. The NFL is a cruel mistress the way we get through these fucking games so fast. It's really disgusting and disappointing at the same time. We actually had a really good Thursday night football game coming up here. It was supposed to be Packers versus Cardinals. It still will be Packers versus Cardinals. Adam Lazard and Devontae Adams both out with COVID. So I'm not really looking forward to that game anymore. I think this is a game the Cardinals will now win easily. Yeah, this is going to be more like the ghost of the Packers versus the Cardinals. I'm really disappointed. Yep. I mean, the Lazard thing, at, you know, take them or leave them. But not having Devontae Adams, that's like 30% of their offense. So yep. much less excited. I, I don't know if without his go-to, without his rocket launcher, his golden gun, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to hang 30 on the Cardinals and so far this season you're not hanging around with the Cardinals unless you're hanging 30 so uh, yeah I like the Cardinals in this one here are some other things on Sunday to keep an eye out for so I'm going to toot my own horn in October so far I'm 24 and 11 uh, betting 24 and 13 betting on uh, NFL games Uh, I finished September with a positive NFL record overall I do not lose NFL that's just the way it fucking is. If you follow me on my points betting, you're up, I think, 22 units. So, you know, you, you could be up anywhere from 25 to 30 units if you follow the picks I put out on Twitter. So, so you're, you're you know, eating it, is what not, you're saying. You're eating good right now. I, I eat. I eat. NFL, I eat. I got this shit down. Um, here's some things to look forward to. Go bang the Pangles right now. 
minus 10 and a half for the Bengals. I know everyone's like they're coming off a big win. This is a young team for the Bengals. I think that I think everyone out there is to prove something. This isn't a team where the Steelers do this time to time where they just take off versus a bad team and they because they know they can. The Bengals, I don't think, have any of those luxuries. The Jets are terrible against starting a nobody at quarterback. Ten and a half is going to seem like a big number. It's not going to seem like a big number come halftime. Here's another one for you. The Buffalo Bills are minus 13 against the Miami Dolphins. The Buffalo Bills are coming off a bye week, and that was before getting handled by your Tennessee Titans and losing by a yard. You think they're pent up and frustrated at all? Yeah, and it's a divisional game. I expect them to come out and try to blow the doors off Miami. They're home against. I think that they're going to try to. Dist- I think they're going to try to win by fifty. So I will be points betting this at thirteen and a half, which is dangerous. I know it's a division game. Give me the Bills coming off of a bye at home. Uh, some you know some other big games that we're taking a look at here. Steelers Browns. Browns are four and three and struggling. Steelers are three and three coming off of a bye. The Steelers here are looking to get themselves right a little bit. They're coming off there. The Browns are looking to just hold on. We'll see who plays to the Browns. I think the Steelers win this game. I think don't. I don't think the Steelers can afford to lose this game. Fall back to three and four. I really think that they need to keep pace um, and, and move their record to four and three with the rest of the division. Any thoughts on this game? It looks like Nick Chubb is going to be back for this one. Their backfield was pretty empty last weekend. I mean, all we had last Thursday, I believe it was, was Dearness Johnson. Shout out to my USF boy, Dearness Johnson. I've been able to get a couple USF references in here. I feel good about it. Um, Nice. This is gonna this is gonna come down to Baker Mayfield. Do we know if he's playing? I I know it came uh, I, out today no, that he's, he's got a playing. separated shoulder or a fractured shoulder. I think is what I saw this. <laughs> I don't morning. think he's playing. At he's all. not playing. It's Case Keenum. I I don't think so. I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got Pittsburgh then. I don't care if it's on the road. Yeah. I, I'm not putting my money on Case Keenum. You can if you want to, but uh, I like smart money. I'm I'm gonna be on. Pittsburgh as well they're getting three and a half so I would maybe go take a look and lock that in now another big matchup big big matchup five and two Tennessee Titans going to Indianapolis you have a chance to bury Indy you I don't think you've ever been in this position where you're looking at multiple years two years in a row of being able to stare at Indy and go I'm going to put you into the turf and eliminate you from the division you do have that opportunity you move them to three and five. You move yourself to six and two. What happens? Give us a prediction. The spread is Colts minus one. They are expecting a letdown game for the Titans here on the road. I kind of think that's your MO. Uh, that's kind of how the season's been going. Tell us why it'll be different. I mean, losing this game when you could essentially go up. I mean, it'd be three games in the standings, but with the tiebreaker, it'd essentially be four games. Losing this game would be technically it, it would be Titans fashion. You you would not be wrong if you said that it would be Titans fashion to go out and lay a dud in Indy and lose this game. You'd be right if you said it too. But this team looks like it's picking up steam after the last couple of weeks. I mean they've they've gotten already a big win against Indy. They're coming off back to back wins against the Chiefs and the Bills within a six day period. Uh, and I think they're hot right now. I think Indy's catching them at the wrong time. I do think that the Titans moved to 6-2. and two. They're getting a point. Honestly, I think that the Titans should win this one by at least a, a touchdown. 
That's my opinion. I know it's a biased opinion, but they haven't shown the, the ability to stop Derrick Henry in a couple years. Uh, Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown are just now starting to get it going. Julio is back. Uh, I expect the Titans win. Uh, the the Colts are favored and all the the predictions and the metrics and everything say that the Colts should win this one but I don't think that the Colts can score enough points to keep up with the Titans that is exactly why I'm going to ignore the minus one and take over 51 I think the Tennessee should easily score more than 21 points you normally don't score 22 so if I'm going to say you're scoring 21 uh, I think there's I think each team is going to have between five and seven scores and if I add that up, I'm between 10 and 14 scores. I need some combination of five touchdowns and f- five field goals. Uh, I think I'm going to easily get that. I, I think that I-, I-, I think this is the game that the Tennessee Titans defense looks a little exposed. After two games on the road, uh, I mean, two games at home, you're going to Indy. Indy is desperate for this one. I like the Titans to win the game, but I like the over 51 even more. Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. I mean, I think that the the Colts' resurgence, so to speak, is a little overblown. Uh, they beat the Texans, and then they beat the 49ers. Yep. And, I mean, yep. whoop-de-doo. Before that, they beat the Dolphins. So they don't have a good Before win that, yet this year. Ravens. So if you're predicting a Colts win, you're predicting their first real solid win of the season. I will not be doing yep. that on this show. Definitely have the Titans. Nope, I'm going to do the same thing. I don't really see anything else on the slate that's worth calling out. Uh, there are some people calling the Patriots Chargers a good game. I'm not calling a team that's beaten the Jets in Houston a good team, so that's not a good game. Uh, the Buccaneers are playing the Saints. I have watched the Saints now in multiple games, every game. Jameis Winston makes me want to vomit out of my eyes. Uh, I have no interest in watching that game as a good game. Um so again, we have a couple a couple good games in the slate, but a lot of teams on buys. And once again, they are going to try to pluck our eyes out with these fucking primetime football games. The Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings play on Sunday night. So if you're tired, go to bed early. The Vikings are coming off a bye. The Cowboys are coming off of a bye. Oh, uh, are the Vikings coming off yes, a bye? Yes, they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, because it would have to be four. Yep. So both those teams coming off a bye. No edge there in a dome. The Somehow the Vikings are, are getting one and a half. Dallas is only giving up one and a half. I don't really understand that. I, I just don't understand that. Both these teams are coming off a bye. What am I missing here? Why is Dallas easy money? Um, I don't think that they are. Uh, I don't know what Vegas okay. is seeing, but to me, this game is going to be essentially a coin flip. The Cowboys' defense has improved this year, but the Vikings' offense quietly has been one of the better units in the league, at least. Uh, I don't have the numbers. Uh, I don't know if the numbers support what I'm saying, but it seems like Kirk Cousins has been on fire all season. Uh, I don't. Sixth in passing yards. Sixth in passing yards? Yep. Okay, you see it. So it, it yep. bears out. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the the Cowboys are only a point and a half favorite, so it's not like Vegas is in love with them. But on the road, uh, that that's saying something. Uh, honestly, I could see a world where the Vikings end up being a little bit too much. We're going to see a lot of Trevon Diggs versus Justin Jefferson this week. I think we're really going to find out how good Diggs is facing one of the best young receivers that we have in the league. Uh, and I expect this one to be a shootout. So what is the over here? Do you have it? 53. 55. I wouldn't feel bad about taking that over. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. From where I'm sitting, I think Dallas wins this game 33-17. to 17. 
Okay. That's what that's I'm sixty thinking. points. That that over solid. That that's that's right where I see it. I I really am struggling with. I oh, wait no I, hold on. I that's just, fifty when, points. So you would take 50 the under. Points. Yeah, I would take the. Well, I'm, I'm going to just take the minus one and a half. But here are the teams that the Vikings have played against. Now there are some unexpectedly good teams. The the um, Vikings started the year here playing, losing to the Bengals in overtime and the Cardinals, which prompted a lot of people to go out and be like, "Wow, this isn't a very good team." They lost by one point to the Cardinals, 34-33. They lost in overtime to the Bengals. They then beat Seattle with Russell Wilson. And this is where things get a little wonky and why it's tough to tell. They stumble around and lose 14-7 at home versus Cleveland, which makes no fucking sense. They turn around, and that was the uh, that game against Detroit, um, where they won in a last-second field goal. That was after Detroit lost on a last-second field goal to the Ravens, and they won 19-7. Then just before the bye, they struggle with the Panthers and take them to overtime with Kirk Cousins throwing a touchdown. This is a team that has played in almost a one-score down-to-the-wire game since he went to overtime. Carolina went to overtime. Detroit was a last-second win. Arizona was a last-second loss. Cleveland was a seven-point loss, and the Seattle Seahawks were a 13-point win. Bit of an enigma team. I can see what you're saying. Uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings are at home against Dallas, and then they go to Baltimore, and then they go to the Chargers, and then they're home versus Green Bay. Murderers row of four. You kind of have to get this to your point. So if you're looking at the desperation side of things, I could see it. But with Minnesota, I, I, this is just a Jekyll and Hyde team that I, I can't figure out. And because of that, I'm going to lean on the Cowboys who I think have some pretty, pretty quality wins um, against the Chargers, close against Tampa, and then it won in overtime against New England. But um, we'll see. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm completely overvaluing the Cowboys. I don't know, are open I don't know what to bit. think about the Vikings, but after that stretch that you just laid out for us, we're definitely about to find out if they're for real or not because Dallas, Baltimore, the Chargers, and the Packers, that's a hell of a four games. They need to go that two and two in that stretch too, them. just to stay relevant. And then the Monday night football game, we have. I I I'm I'm beside myself. How the Giants end up on primetime games so much? I get the New York market. It's only the New York market. I don't know why I sit here and go. I don't know how they make it on there, Matt. You know exactly how they make it on there because we're gonna get the New York market on there as much as possible, and no one's putting the Jets up there if they don't have to. So you're gonna get the fucking Giants. You're gonna get Daniel Jones, um, and they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Quick question: Did you watch the Giants beat the Pack the Panthers last week? I did not. I mean, I caught the little red zone updates and, and you know the scoring updates, but I did, I was not glued to that game. Definitely not. Did. Did, did you see Daniel Jones's catch? I did. Hey, he made a hell of a one-handed grab. Tell me why Daniel Jones is the most athletic player on the Giants, and he's stuck at quarterback. He's the fastest player on the team, and he definitely has the best hands. <laughs> he's got the best hands. He's the best rusher, the best passer. Finally. Con convert Daniel Jones to a wideout. Who are you going to have throw the what ball? What am though? I missing here? <laughs> Do we know who their backup is? I, I don't I think care. Mike Lennon? I don't care. Get some. I mean, next year. Next year, convert Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is what everyone thought Lamar was going to be. Yes, actually. That's, that's pretty good. He is athletic. Uh, his raw numbers look great. He cannot play the quarterback position. 
It's like exactly what everyone thought of Lamar. If Daniel Jones was black, he would not be – he would be getting shelled in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, we went over this a couple of weeks. I said if, if Lamar yeah. doesn't – I mean, Lamar doesn't get any of the credit uh, that some of his peers do. Uh, but Daniel Jones is exactly that. You know, you just said it. I'm not going to say it again, but we've been saying it for weeks. It's nuts. Uh, so, Chiefs, Giants, the Chiefs uh, – Right now, I think I read that the Chiefs have 17 turnovers on pace for 41 this year. Uh, Andy Reid hasn't gone over, I think, the 20, 20, intercept, 20 turnover mark in, in a long time. Um, the Chiefs, a lot of people are going, oh, the offense is still numbers-wise. Some of, the, some of the advanced analytics and some of the mental gymnastics people do to prove things right really irk the shit out of me. The Kansas City Chiefs offense last week, had three points and looked anemic. I mean, when did the Tennessee Titans decide to stop just whipping the Chiefs? Was it like the end of the second quarter? You guys literally were like, okay, let's stop because we could literally beat the absolute piss out of this. <laughs> yeah, the the offensive line was really a problem for the Chiefs last Sunday, and I'm guessing it's been that way for the whole season. Uh, the Titans' yes. worst unit uh, on defense, it – I mean, uh, some people would say it's the secondary, but they've really been able to get no pass rush over the last couple of years. And they were living in the backfield on Sunday. They were getting yep. Mahomes With whenever four. they wanted. They were knocking him all over the place, and they ended up knocking him out of the game eventually, which as yep. much as I would love to say, oh, the Titans figured it out. We finally have a pass rush. No, nah, I think it was more of a product of the Chiefs' offensive line being very, very below <laughs> average. And yeah. if they're going to continue to be below average, then I don't know how safe it is to put your money on them, even if you do love Mahomes. But to that respect, Mahomes looks human now all of a sudden, too. He's had an interception in, yep. what, I think it's eight straight games now? It's either seven or yep. eight straight games that he's thrown an interception. Uh, last week, I think he had two really bad turnovers that kind of killed momentum for Kansas City and gave it back to Tennessee. So I'm just not feeling as great about the Chiefs as I'm used to feeling. You know, over the last three years, the, the Chiefs were good money. You could set it, forget it. You could throw money however much you feel comfortable with and feel pretty good on the money line. Uh, this season, I, I think I'm going to stop putting money on the Chiefs. Yeah, I've backed off them. I'm going to have to wait to closer to game time to put money on this game. If I have a great week, I'm probably going to do something weird with this game. May do something like a two-team tease for seven points where I take the over and turn it to 59. And then the Chiefs uh, down to minus three. But not really sure it's not like look after the chiefs lost now to the chargers the ravens the bills and the titans and in some of those games they got absolutely destroyed so i'm not sure the chiefs are even close to a good team uh right now we talked about it earlier i left them out of my top afc contenders and, and that is because i am taking Nothing that I know from previous year and strictly looking at what teams have produced this year. And he is, they have not produced anything. So um, I, I'm not looking forward to these the, the Giants-Chiefs game. You did you did open my eyes on the Dallas-Minnesota uh, Dallas game. That could actually be really good. But this Chiefs-Giants game, I mean, the Giants literally, Daniel Jones is most likely going to be the best wide receiver, quarterback, and running back playing for the Giants. And if that's the case... 
you're probably in trouble because he does running back and wide receiver a lot better than he does quarterback. Oof. So uh, I think I think that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a problem and it's going to continue to be a problem. But I mean, if you got some Daniel Jones in fantasy, you're probably feeling kind of good about it right now. You're prob- you're really happy. That guy's a solid. F- that guy's a fucking pros pro in fantasy. Uh, speaking of fantasy, you little <laughs> ah, um, you like that? You fucking. Dude, I knew exactly what you were getting. I said Lockett needed me a couple more yards. I fucking nailed. I needed four and forty-six. I got two and twenty. I fell four points. For the listeners that don't know what's going on right here, uh, me and the boy Gordo were in this dynasty league together, where the highest scorer every week gets a payout of fifty dollars, and it was looking like our boy was getting ready to collect his second. His, his third. third. He was about to collect his one hundred fiftieth dollar. Uh, of fantasy scoring uh, prize money, but the boy Alvin Kamara came through with the 30 piece on Monday mm-hmm. night, exactly what I needed, locked up a W for me, and locked up $50. So screw you. You don't uh, need any more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will take the $50 <laughs> over here this week. You guys had to get it from me last week. I have no CMC, no Hunt, no Emmanuel Sanders, no Dak Prescott. It was it was one of the only weeks you guys are going to get a shot yeah, at. Yeah, well, I got with a CMC's track record here. You might get ready to go the whole season without him. I, I don't need him. <laughs> he almost just put up the highest points. Uh, I, I I I I'm trying to get I'm trying to make some moves with your boy Richard, but uh, he he's just lost in the sauce. <laughs> and I hope he listens so he can hear this. He's trying to get he's trying to get players from my team that are starters for backups as if I don't know the team I drafted. <laughs> as if I don't know the players I Hey man. Uh, go ahead and send at, Hollywood yeah. over here. That's all I'm saying. I've been waiting for Hollywood yeah, all season. I know. I know. People keep to like oh, I'll give you a second round pick for Hollywood. I'm like, why? Why would why would I do that? <laughs> like, what? But even someone like Bateman, Bateman's going out every week. Bateman's going to be one of those players that by the end of the year is a ten catch, hundred recept, hundred receiving yards a game guy. That's Bateman. Hollywood Brown, I think, is going to turn into a guy who gets like five catches, and if he hits that long ball like he did last week, you're upgraded. They're going to be games Ruggs, Holly- basically. That you're basically that's where the Ravens want this team. You're going to look at Bateman as – I think Bateman's actually going to turn out to be like an A.J. Green type player. Um, and not a – I would say, yeah, I think right about there. Big body. Uh, he's not as big body as A.J. Green, but he's going to be a good possession receiver that can get the ball. He's not someone that's going to have breakaway speed, at least from what I'm seeing. That's going to be Hollywood Brown, at least how the offense uses him. So I think you're going to start to see Bateman get more looks here in the red zone because he runs exceptionally crisp routes. Uh, he break you off quick, get back, knows how to read the defense, and him look upfield. And then Hollywood Brown, I think you're going to look for the deep ball. And then Mark Andrews good fed underneath. So I think that's where the offense is going to go after the bye week. But enough about the Ravens and, and fantasy football, which we're going to be back at it. Uh, when do we play each other? Do we play each other sometimes? Uh, I don't yeah, know, I don't know if it's soon. I haven't show. checked. I know you play Zell this week, and he actually did send me a message. He wasn't free today to record with us. But he did text uh, me and say, make sure that Gordo knows I'm coming for the W oh, this week. He's taking that L. Uh, that's the message I was supposed to relay to you. Yeah, I see it. I'm looking at his team right now. Um, God, he starts Heineke and fucking Sam Darnold. Yeah, both of them. He was trying to get Matt Ryan off me this week, but uh, he's also sitting at 5-2 and two like me and you are, so I, I'm going to go yeah. ahead and let him suffer. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't ever trade with people that are doing better than me. They can rot in hell. Amen. Um, yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a tight one. That's, he's got a lot of good possession receivers. Uh, I love that uh, fa- in fantasy football every week in our, our app. It's always got me scoring like one twenty, and I always put up like one seventy. And I'm like, when will when will this fucking app learn? I got I got players that make moves. Um, all right, let's get out of here. Leo, take us home. Uh, Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pick and Play Show. For the boy Gordo, my name is Leo. As usual, make sure you rate, subscribe, review. And if you enjoyed the show, all we ask of you is that you send to a friend. Tune in next week for more NFL, more NBA. Uh, Once we get our shit together, you'll get some NBA. Until next week. Mama praying that I leave the streets alone. Preaching, praying that I leave the reef alone. I'm just getting money, leave the beef alone. But I'm out here thugging in my teeth alone. Throw up my set, they get upset, they coming at me in the red.